Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Assyrian army defeated as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 37, verse 31. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The remnant that has escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, for the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, the same he will return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, this is the word of the Lord through Isaiah to King Hezekiah. Now, if you were king and the prophet of God gave you this message, how would you react to it? (laughs) Here you're facing the strongest army in the world, and you are admittedly weak. The guy has said, hey, we gave you 2,000 horses. You don't have enough men to put on them. They've wiped out all of the enemy, all, all of the other lands, which were many of them stronger and more powerful than you are. And now the word of the Lord comes from the prophet Isaiah saying, don't worry about it. They'll never step inside of this city. They won't shoot an arrow in. By the way they came, they're going to turn back. Well, really, what can you do? (laughs) You're really sort of defenseless anyhow. You might as well just hope that the prophet's right because you can't do much else. But fortunately, in this case, the prophet is right. For we read, Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when they, that is the children of Judah, awoke early in the morning, behold, the Assyrian army were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, departed, and he went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. He returned to Nineveh in defeat, his armies destroyed by an angel of the Lord. And it came to pass. Remember, he said he's going to go back to his land, and there he would fall by the sword. It came to pass as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, smote him with a sword, and they escaped into the land of Armenia, and Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his stead. So God's word was fulfilled. Now in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, 
for you shall die and not live. Now, these are pretty heavy tidings. You get sick, and a prophet of God comes and says, hey, set your house in order, man. This is it. You're going to die and not live. There are things that we must take care of before we die, important things to take care of. The most important thing that I take care of before I die is my relationship with God. And that's really what the prophet was referring to. Set your house in order. You're going to die and not live. So Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and he prayed unto the Lord. And he said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before you in truth and with a complete heart, and I have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to you. And I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be the sign unto thee from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees by which degrees it was gone down. Interesting thing. Just to prove a point <laughs> that what God said is true. Hey, all right, I'll give you 15 years, you know, don't cry. <laughs> and to prove it, I'll bring the shadow on the sundial back 10 degrees. So here is actually a long day, 10 degrees backward, and by the time it started again, it would give you about a 45-minute lapse time here as, as God took. Now, how did God pull that one off? I don't know. There are those who scoff at the miracles in the Bible and try to either rationalize them completely or just say that they didn't exist. We have the case in Joshua's time where the sun stood still for the space of almost a day in order that Joshua was able to completely wipe out the enemies. Now, if the sun stood still in the evening time and the moon there in the valley of Ajalon, then it would mean that over here on this side of the earth they would have had a long night, which, of course, the Aztec and Inca records do record. And Vilikovsky, in his book, Worlds in Collision, traces this long day of Joshua around the world. Now, there are the scoffers who say, well, wait a minute. The sun doesn't revolve around the earth anyhow. 
we have that kind of an illusion only because the earth is spinning on its axis. So rather than the sun standing still, it must be that the earth came to a halt. But the earth is spinning at a thousand miles an hour, and if the earth would suddenly stop, everybody would be thrown off. <laughs> and so they tried to deny the reality of that miracle through this idea that, you know, anything stopped spinning at a thousand miles an hour, everything would be thrown off of it. Well, who said God put on the brakes that hard? Say God took 15 minutes to slow the earth to a stop. Oh my, that's easing down because from a thousand miles, in uh, 15 minutes, uh, you would hardly even notice the brakes being applied at that speed. So if God, say, slowed it down in five minutes, it would be like applying your brakes at 60 miles an hour to stop at a signal that is a half a mile away. So there's no problem. God didn't just slam on the brakes, yank, you know, and everybody goes flying off. He just applied the brakes, stopped the thing. The, the miracle to me is how did he get it going again? <laughs> now here's a little bit better. He actually reversed the thing a little bit. Let it go back 10 degrees before he fired it up. So... You know, the only reason why people have difficulty with these passages of Scripture is because their concept of God is so small. And the reason why their concept of God is small is because they have created their own ideas of God. Now, if you believe in the God that is revealed in the Bible, then these things present absolutely no problem at all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a pretty big God. And if he created the heavens and the earth, he has no problem in guiding and directing and in stopping, if he wants, the rotation of this earth upon its axis for a moment, starting it up again. It's an interesting thing. Vilikovsky, in his book, believes that when God started it up again, he started in the opposite direction that actually the earth used to rotate from west to east. He believes and, and seeks to prove it in his book. But interesting, God just to prove to the king, hey, I, I mean it. Show you a little proof, <laughs> just to encourage you. Now, when Hezekiah was sick, this is what he wrote. You talk about a negative confession. I mean, this guy had a classic negative confession. So this is what Hezekiah wrote when he was sick. I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go down to the gates of hell. I'm deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. 
My age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver my life, and he will cut me off with pining sickness. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. I reckon till morning that as a lion so will he break all my bones, and from day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. Boy, what a negative confession. Now, if what you say is what you get, then Hezekiah really would have been done in. But in spite of all of his negative confessions, God answered his prayer and gave him 15 years. But that brings up a problem. Should he really have died at that time? It would appear that God's primary will for Hezekiah was that he should die at that time. There is a theological debate on to whether or not prayer really changes things. Can I, by prayer, really change the mind of God? God declares, behold, I am God, I change not. Should I, by prayer, seek to change the mind of God? What would be the purpose of changing the mind of God? The only purpose I can see of seeking to change the mind of God is that I've got a smarter thought than God does. Now, God, I want you to see it my way. It is interesting how that so often in our prayers, they are really real hype jobs in trying to in a sense, change the mind of God. At least the way we pray it, it is as though we're trying to make God see it our way and to convince God that our way is right. To sell God on my program here. But is that really the real thrust of prayer and the purpose of prayer? To change the mind of God? Does prayer really change God? Now, it would appear that there is a direct will of God for our lives, but then there is this area that we might title the permissive will of God for us. And quite often, God's direct will is expressed first. This is what is best. But I get in there and I begin to push and shove and insist. And God says, well, all right, you know. If that's what you really want, have at it. It would appear that this did happen when Barak the king sent to Balaam to curse the people that were coming through the land. And Balaam prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Balaam, Do not go down to the king. Do not curse these people because they are my people. So Balaam sent back a message to Barak and said, I'm sorry, king. I can't come down. The Lord won't let me. Neither can I curse these people for the same reason. So King Barak sent other messengers with great rewards, a lot of loot. 
and said, just come on down and counsel me concerning these people that are coming through the land. So Balaam was a greedy fellow. And when he saw all the loot that the king was offering for counseling fees, he thought, wow, could I ever use that? Get me a new donkey and a new house. And, <laughs> and, and greed really filled his heart. So he prayed again. Now, God had already said, don't go down. But I can hear Balaam this time. Oh, Lord, just please let me go. Lord, just, you know, I'll be good, Lord, but oh, just let me go down, Lord. You know, after all, what can it hurt me going down, Lord? You know, please, God, you know. God finally said, all right, go ahead, but you just be careful you don't say any more than what I tell you. But the anger of the Lord was kindled against Balaam. Evidently, you see, though Balaam insisted and God more or less gave him a tentative, sure, do it, yet it wasn't God's direct will for this guy's life because an angel of the Lord stood in the path with a drawn sword. And that wise little donkey saw the angel, though Balaam didn't. And he turned off the path. And Balaam beat him and got him back on the path. But again, the angel of the Lord stood where there was a cliff and, and the donkey uh, edged up against the side of the cliff and, and got Obalam's ankle and he beat the donkey again and got him going. The third time when the angel stood in the path, there was no place for the donkey to go. He just sat down. And Balaam began to beat him. And the donkey turned around and said, do you think that's right, beating me three times? Haven't I been a faithful donkey ever since you owned me? <laughs> Have I ever done anything to this, like this to you before? Balaam was so angry, he answered the donkey back and said, you bet your life I'd do right to beat you. If I had a stick, I'd kill you. Now, he evidently was insisting that God allow him to go, and God permissively said, yes, go, and yet, it wasn't the direct will of God. God allows things that are not his direct will. I can, I can force my will. I can force my way. Where God more or less reluctantly says, well, that's what you want. Have at it. But yet it isn't really pleasing to God. Now, whenever these issues are forced, then the consequences are always disastrous. I believe that Hezekiah's time to die had come, and I think he would have been much better off. I know the nation of Israel would have been much better off had Hezekiah died at that time. Those extra 15 years that God allowed at him were disastrous. For two years later, he had a son named Manasseh, who became the ruler, the king, over Judah when Hezekiah died. And Manasseh was indeed the foulest, rottenest king that ever reigned in Judah. And it was the result of Manasseh's ungodly reign that Judah got on the road downhill 
from which it was never able to recover. Now, had Hezekiah died when God planned and wanted him to die, then Manasseh would never have been born, and the history for the nation could have been different. Whenever we insist upon our way over God's, you're not getting the best. God's way is always the best, though we may not understand it or see it at the time. God's way is always the best. So it is possible that through our pig-headed bullishness, we might be able to get God to consent to something that we desire. But the result is always negative. How much better that we learn to say, Oh God, thy will be done. And to flow in the center of God's will. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 37 through 38 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord keep His hand upon your life And may he speak to you this week through his word. And may he open up your heart and your mind and your understanding to the things of the Spirit. And thus, may you live in that place where God can bless you as he desires to bless you. May you keep yourself in the love of God as you walk in fellowship with him this week. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer and they ask you a question about the Bible and you're thrilled? Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time, and I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. 
Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call the Word for Today at 800 272 